Hi, this is Danielle Nicolay from The Splash, and you are listening to my friend Elias here on the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I did it. A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the Man Cave. Your host, Elias. Danielle, welcome to the cave. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? What's new with you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, just getting ready for the holidays, wrapping up work for the year, and uh, being surprised that 2019 went as fast as it did. Oh, yeah, I believe that. You And you've been busy the last few years with uh, numerous TV show appearances, and I just read online you wrapped up an uh, indie film, and of course, everybody knows you from The Flash, and we'll talk about that, but uh, I want the listeners to get to a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from? I am originally from a little town in Northeast Ohio called Ashtabula. Uh, and uh, if you've never heard of it, it's because most people haven't. But uh, it's a very sort of like um, industrial sort of mid, industrial kind of Eastern Midwest oh, wow. kind of town. How was yeah. it growing up in a town like that? a little bit challenging to be honest you know i was somebody that knew that i didn't want to live there forever yeah so it, yeah so you know it can be a little bit tough when you when you're growing up in a place that you know you sort of don't belong but but i'm really grateful for it it gave me i think some really solid roots yeah that um i feel like gave me a, a good work ethic and a good sort of like jumping off point in life mm. So what were you into as a kid growing up Growing up in that town? Well, when I was little, I was a competitive gymnast, actually. So I pretty much spent every second of my childhood either in school or in gymnastics class or at home watching sports with my dad. Oh, wow. And occasionally, yeah, and occasionally rebuilding some motors. I think my dad wanted me to be a boy. Oh. Did you end up having any uh, brothers or sisters? I do. I have an older brother. Okay. He's he always was kind of the more creative one when we were little and uh he's still he's still a creative now but yeah growing up in Ashtabula my brother was definitely a little bit more of this sort of I don't know if oddball is the right word but <laughs> he he fit he fit in even less than I did yeah uh, so how did you like pursue the acting world then what made you get into it I always knew I wanted to do it. Like it was never a question for me. Yeah. Um, and I just was very fortunate. Ashtabula, Ohio is not the first place you think of in terms of like where, you know, the next generation of like actors is coming from. Yeah. But because I was good at gymnastics, thank God, um, I got very lucky. And when I was young, I got recruited to a couple of gyms to sort of train on a more serious level. And one of those gyms was in Southern California. So I started traveling back and forth in order to train during part of the year. And then eventually when gymnastics started being too much on my body and I couldn't do it anymore, I figured now is the time to finally admit to my parents that I had an ulterior motive the whole time. Hmm. And it was all just to get myself. I figured if I went to California, then I could maybe do really well and end up in a commercial or something doing gymnastics. And then I'd get discovered 
in retrospect, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but <laughs> made sense to me at the time. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, my mother was receptive to the idea and decided to be supportive of me. And so when I was about 15, we moved to L.A. and like stayed there permanently. Oh, wow. Everybody? Everybody just. Yeah. Wow. How did you know? Well, not everybody. Dad, dad is still in Ohio. Okay. Mom and brother. Mom and dad got divorced when I was, uh, I think, seven. Okay. And so I'm, I'm sure part of moving to California was also my mom's way to be mean to my dad. But that's a whole other chapter. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so mom and brother and I moved to L.A. And dad is still in Ohio with um, stepmom and step siblings. So what was the next step after gymnastics? Like, how did you like how did you start? Did you take acting classes? I can tell you, it was such dumb luck. It really yeah. was. I mean, all I knew, all I knew was I really, really wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And um, I started, to, my mother didn't know what to do with me. You know, what do you do? You're like a family from Ohio and you've got this teenager that's saying you want to be an actor. So we got the agent's list from the Screen Actors Guild and walked up and down Sunset Boulevard and gave, like, kid you not, like a three by five, like, printed out photo of me standing in front of a flower bush <laughs> to every single one of those wow. agents. And yeah, and one of them took pity on me and said, you know, let's see if we can at least get you like a little bit of experience. So they, they hooked me up with a couple of featured extra roles on some sitcoms just to sort of see how I, how I did on a set, um, which was a really good way to sort of get familiar. And by featured extra, it basically means someone who doesn't have lines, but they serve a purpose in the scene. Like on the old school sitcoms, there'll be like a party scene with a bunch of teenagers and there'll be like a cute girl in the corner that a guy's flirting with. And maybe a couple of scenes later you see him kissing her and then it's a big thing. So I did that a couple of times and realized for certain that it was what I had to do with the rest of my life. And um, that same agent sent me on a couple commercial auditions and I booked one and I got my SAG card and I got very lucky. And once I had that, I started getting some more auditions. And before I knew it, I was working. Wow. That's without even, uh, yeah. that's even without uh, acting classes. That's, that's oppressive. Yeah, I mean the acting classes came to yeah. be sure, and I had done I take acting class in school, but yeah. but um, yeah, it was it was when I started working a little bit that that's when I realized if I'm going to take this seriously, then I've got to be serious about it. So I ultimately ended up going to three different schools, and I got kicked out of the second one, which led to the third one. Oh wow! And that's the one. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of methods and. As an actor, you sort of find the one that's right for you. Yeah. I had this really amazing acting teacher, Eric Morris, and he is still an incredible teacher. And he is wild and eccentric and really inspiring. And he's really hard on his students. And I was in there and he was like, listen, you're not you're not giving it enough. You're not committed enough. You're not fearless enough. Get out of my class. You're not doing it right. And. I'm super grateful for that because I I needed the kick in the butt. And also it led me to my school, which is the Joanne Barron D.W. Brown studio, which is, it's the sister school to the actor studio and HB studio in New York. Like the, all three of them are essentially one and they're Meisner and that's my method. And that's what I found out was the right thing for me. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I was doing some research on you. Was one of your first gigs after you get in your SAG car, was it Family Matters, TGI Fridays, sitcoms? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How was that? How was yeah. it being on a show like that and like even step by step? And like, because back then, Friday night, that was huge for those shows. Back then, Friday night was was everything. And yeah. like as a teenage actor, oh, my gosh, that was that was the thing to be on. Um, To be perfectly honest with you, there was a lot of good and a lot of bad. It was really good because it was incredible exposure for me. It was an incredible opportunity to learn what I was doing and to learn it in the company of other kids. Yeah. And, and it also, you know, some of the, some of those kids I'm still friends with to this day because we all had that experience together. On the other hand, it was, it was rough. Like the, the directors weren't always very nice. To, to kids especially it was it was a time I think when um the adults that ran those shows ran them like really tight ships and oh, it wow. didn't always leave a lot of room for you to be a kid and so yeah family matters in particular as much as I love to this day every single actor on that show that I worked with and a handful of the producers I'm still in contact with but like the director of that show was abusive to me oh. how old were you when you landed that gig 16 oh. you know i mean yeah. i didn't know anything yeah i didn't know a thing you know it's like i think i just turned 16 barely yeah. 16 uh-huh. and now you've done other numerous uh tv appearances also like i mean the list goes on third rock from the sun heartland like what's been like your favorites that you've been on are we just talking tv or film both um gosh tv it's really hard to narrow down i've obviously been on one show or another since i was pretty young um oh it's really hard to say film wise it's a toss-up between central intelligence because that was such an incredible like you know kind of big movie experience and yeah it's spending a few months in Boston with the rock and Kevin Hart. Like you, you really, you can't beat that experience. It just doesn't get better and more fun. And, um, I, I honest to God, don't think I had not just a, not just that I didn't have a bad day on that movie. I didn't even have like a bad minute. Oh wow! It really yeah. was such a joyful experience for me. Um, but on the other hand, film wise, I did this little movie for Netflix, um, right around the same time called Deidre and Laney rob a train and like budget wise in terms of the, the, the glitz of it all, it was the completely opposite experience of central intelligence. And yet just as amazing, it was a bunch of us working for no money because we loved this script in the middle of Utah. The actors, we just all shared one giant trailer because we just wanted to be together all the time. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, and we just, it was me, David Sullivan, uh, Ashley Murray from Riverdale, who's now going to be one of the leads on Katie Keene, Rachel Crow, who obviously is an amazing singer, and she has her own new show coming up, and and, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, who's incredible on Watchmen right now, and I'm obsessed with him, Um, Shazir Zameda from Saturday Night Live. It was just this great group of people, and we... It, it really was like going to summer camp together and just like sweating out this super fun story and trying to figure out how to make it funnier every day. So 
it's an interesting thing in this business. Like sometimes having all the money in the world to play with makes an experience great. And sometimes having no money to play with makes mm. an experience great. That's a good way to look at it both ways. I mean, like, and you said you, you kind of made memories out of that too. It's like a great story. Oh, it's honestly like every time I think about it, I just feel happy. Mm. Both, both of those movies, I just, every second of them, I just feel happy. Yeah. And, I think every job, every show, every film, you come away with a handful of great memories and usually one lifelong friend, if you're lucky to. Um, but both of those projects were ones that I feel like just the whole overall experience was so uh, joyful. And I felt like I grew so much as an artist that mm-hmm. that I can't, I can't ever think anything negative about them. And then TV-wise... I've got a long list to choose from. I'll be honest. I'm just really happy doing The Flash right now. Yeah. Maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool, it's a really cool gig, and it, like, fulfills all of my childhood TV fantasy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was my next thing. It was like, I was going to tell you, it's like, you're on, like, one of the best TV shows to this day, The Flash. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. I mean, I mean, I got my wife watching it. That tells you something when my wife is watching it. My favorite thing in the world is when people come up to me and tell me that they watch it with their family. Yeah. Because, it, you know, it lets me know that it's not just for one age group. It's not just for one um, type of viewer. It's like everybody watches it for different reasons. And the fact that you can all watch it together, just like thrills me so much. Mm-hmm. And it, it's as a kid who loves fantasy stuff and sci-fi stuff and comic books and things like that. It's like, it's like a, childhood dream come true to be on a show like this mm-hmm. i gotta ask when you were young did you watch the original flash with uh john wesley's ship i did yeah. yeah i watched it with my brother my my older brother was a huge comic book fan yeah. and he also was my greatest torturer so there was nothing he liked that he didn't force me to do with him <laughs> so that meant i had to read the comic books with him and i had to watch all the shows with mm-hmm. him But for me, like, even as a little, little girl, like, I loved Wonder Woman, and I had Wonder Woman pajamas. And even, like, our our shows when we were super little, I watched Electric Company every single day with the hopes that today was going to be the day that Spider-Man was on. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And it's funny when you said... uh, You you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was so hard, too, because they only did, like, two Spider-Mans a month. Yeah. And it's funny when you said Wonder Wonder Woman pajamas, because it's like, I just... My little my little daughter. That's all she wears at night is that kind of stuff. Or Frozen now because of the movie and everything. But yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of, like that's like some of my most favorite childhood memories yeah. are around. It's funny how that happens, right? Like your childhood memories end right? up being based around the shows and the movies that you watch and that you're that you care about mm. and that you watch with the family. I know. So you place Cecile Horton on the Flash. It, we just talked about how exciting that is. How did you get approached for the series? Um, it's a long story. I will try to truncate it. So um, I would say it was about maybe the year before Arrow was made. Okay. I did a movie with the creator, with um, Andrew Kreisberg, who created Arrow with Greg Berlanti. And he also created Flash. So he had created or written this film that I uh start in that also was functioning as a backdoor pilot for a different network. Mm -hmm. And so 
we got to know each other. We worked for three months in Europe shooting this thing and um, developed a really good relationship with each other. And I'll tell you a secret. I don't think anybody knows. Um, When that show didn't get picked up, Andrew went ahead and created Arrow. And when he wrote the pilot for Arrow, he actually wrote a role for me. Oh, wow. And yeah, and the character's last name was De La Vega. And that was an ode to my character in the pilot that we did that hadn't gotten picked up. I auditioned for it and I didn't get it. (laughs) Annie Alonzo got it instead. Yeah, I didn't get it. And it was devastating. So anyway, Arrow went forward. Flash came the year after that. Andrew called me up during season one of Flash and said, hey, do you want to come do the show? I want to introduce your character to the universe, which is what they call all of the shows. I want to kind of introduce your character to the universe with the intention of bringing you on as a regular next season. And I said, I would love to. I came in. I did two episodes in season one, but I had already done a pilot for another show called Born Again Virgin. And so after my second episode of Flash in season one, the pilot for Born Again Virgin got picked up. So they cut me out of the second episode so that my character wouldn't get overly established. And I went ahead and did that other show for two seasons. And then when it ended, within, I would say, five hours of the word going out publicly in the trades that the show was over, my phone rang and it was the producers of the flash saying, Hey, we just heard your show was canceled. Do you want to finish what we started? Do you want to come back to the show? And I was like, Oh my gosh, you can't fly me to Vancouver fast enough. So they kind of reintroduced me in season three and, you know, sort of started setting up what I was doing. And then by season four, we had agreed that I would come on full time after that. And Cecile uh, got pregnant and got her powers. And then, Mm -hmm. Here we are. Yeah. How how would you describe Cecile? Ever evolving, and I mean that in the best way. She's sort of, well, I don't know. That's an interesting question. How would I describe her in terms of what my perception of her is, like the place that I, I try to play her from? Yeah. Or how would I describe her in terms of as written? The first, the, the first thing you said. I try, I made a decision when I agreed to stick around on the show full time, which was like the beginning of season four. Um, So between season three and four, I got a call saying, hey, listen, this is the plan. This is what we want to do. We want you to agree to come on full time and we want Cecile to get pregnant and we're going to give her powers. After I was done jumping up and down, pretending like I wasn't completely freaking out in (laughs) excitement because I was, but I pretended like I was cooler than that. Um, I really thought about this type of show and I'm a fan of this type of show. And I thought to myself, how do I join this literal team flash in a way that serves the show and also serves the audience? Because shows like this have teams for a reason. Everybody kind of plays a part. And I, as a viewer, like nothing less than when a character like appears and gets shoved down my throat. And so I made the conscious decision that Cecile was going to come into the show in a way kind of as a reflection of what I felt like a fan would experience. The Joe West character is deeply and truly lovable. Yeah. And he's soft and he's smushy. And 
he is so caring. And I decided that if I was coming into the show as a fan, I would want to see him have a love interest that meets him with that and that has that same level of compassion and loving nature and can really add on top of that, not try to like compete with it. And then the other thing I felt in terms of her having powers was if I was a fan of the show and, and I, in real life, if I started dating somebody and found out that his family had superpowers and then I woke up one day and I had them, I would be ridiculously excited. Like I'd be doing cartwheels and I'd be so (laughs) stoked that I, you know, like you couldn't stop me from smiling. And so I decided that's what I wanted Cecile's experience to be. The only thing that you're... So, you know, through season four, she had that. Yeah. As I say, the only thing that your character is missing is you don't have a suit like everybody else. Oh, my gosh. I I have a love-hate relationship with this notion because I really, really, really want a suit. (laughs) Like, I want an outfit so bad, but... I only want it for a couple few episodes Yeah. <laughs> because everybody who has to wear an outfit also has to shoot very late at night on the streets when it's cold. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very lucky in the sense that Cecile's powers are passive and everyone else's powers are active. Yeah. So Cecile kind of gets to be like, guys, I think something's wrong. You should go deal with it. <laughs> and then everybody else has to go do the hard stuff. So, so you work next to Jesse Martin a lot. How would you describe the chemistry between you and uh, Jesse? Everything that you see between us on the screen is exactly how the chemistry is in real life. Like yeah. there's from from the moment we met in season one, there's never been any effort that's had to be put forth on either of our parts to play those characters opposite, like opposite each other. Hmm. Um, it's been it's been such a kind of beautiful, sometimes you, you do a show, you do a film and you work with somebody and they may be gorgeous. They may be really nice, but you just don't have chemistry with them. And as an actor, you have to manifest it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen on this show. Like mm. it's, it's all very, very organic. And for that, I'm grateful. Jesse and I look forward to the days that we work together yeah. because we know once we get there, whatever it says on the page, it's, going to be elevated by our chemistry just mm. naturally so who who came up with the uh, your nickname there cecile your fate horton <laughs> my gosh um i honestly don't know i'm trying to remember the first episode that we said it because as a general rule cisco comes up with the nickname yeah. on the show yeah and but it wasn't Cisco's character and so I don't remember who wrote the first episode where it was said I don't know that's an interesting trivia question I'll have to go back and see when the very first time it was said and then I can tell you which writer came up with it so I mentioned that you know you've you've had a lot of scenes with Jesse is there somebody else on the cast that you would love to have more scenes with that you don't um that's that the answer to that is almost everyone but yeah yeah, i would probably say los i have so much fun with him los and tom both tom cavanaugh is hands down the most enjoyable person on the planet to work with and when he and carla like i yesterday i worked with he and los together and um i know i have a lot of stuff with them this next episode and i'm so looking forward to it 
because it's just a day full of like laughing and music and ridiculous jokes and uh yeah it almost doesn't feel like work hmm. now there's been there's so many cwdc shows that are on there are you a fan of any other ones that you enjoy um, watching that you enjoy I, I watching mean, flash is my fave obviously um, I do get into Supergirl as much as I as time allows. I feel I don't. I feel like there's such a like sweetness to Supergirl. I feel like somehow it kind of goes hand in hand with Flash. There's yeah. a real like kind of sibling esque um, dynamic that that they both have. Plus, I think Melissa Benoit is not just an incredibly nice person, but she's also a personal hero. Um, so I really enjoy that. Um, I watched all of season one of Black Lightning, and I'm looking forward to binging season two over my holiday break. Yeah, that's a great show. Too. I really enjoy Black Lightning, um, and uh, yeah, I would say of all the shows, there are so many to choose from. Those are probably my top two. Hmm. And now we just witnessed the first three episodes of Crisis. What are your thoughts about those episodes so far? Oh my gosh, I feel terrible. You know, you know, I'm not allowed to say anything about anything. You know that, right? Like, well, the first three I episodes, think, the ones that are on the air. I get so nervous saying anything because I have a big mouth and I don't want to spill any beans. <laughs> um, I will say, I this is what I will say. I feel like that episode of The Flash was so strong. Yeah, I believe yeah. so strong. Yeah. My favorite. Oh, why do you have Why do you have a question mark at the end of your yeah? No, I mean, like, yeah, it, it, yeah. no, no. I mean, it was it was it was good. I mean, like my bet, my favorite scene from those three episodes was, I mean, when Green Arrow like passes away, and you just see the Flash's face, and you're like, like, yeah, like like they're like he lost his best friend. Because he did. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it, it, Flash would not exist if not for Oliver. You're right. Oliver wasn't just his friend. He was also his mentor. He also was his original trainer. Yeah. Like, you can go back to season one of Flash, and, and yes, of course, Caitlin and Cisco helped him train. Yeah. But they, But Oliver is the reason that he's the Flash. You're right. And it, it, it really, it was heartbreaking it was heartbreaking like grant deserves an award for that scene alone to this day i still remember yeah, the, tra I, the training scene where he's shooting arrows at him in the first season me too <laughs> me too and i i think that that was one of the strongest and it, you know back then there wasn't like traditionally the notion of crossover yeah it was it was it was moments like that scenes like that that actually created the whole notion of doing crossovers and it's because grant and steven are so good together and their characters just were so good together and, and i don't i think there's something inherent about mentorship as a theme on shows like this and i don't really think it's been done admittedly i haven't watched all of the universe's shows as obviously closely as they do the one that i'm on but i feel like it hasn't really been done as well as strongly as the mentorship between Oliver and Barry. Yeah. Just have. I agree with that. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just think as a storyline, there's such strength to it. And I feel like it's kind of so classic, mm. classic comic book to have that happen. 
So, uh, yeah, I, for me, I think that's the main reason why I thought it was such a strong episode, because this has been how many years in the making, this re- this relationship, and for him to lose Oliver, it's just really, it broke my heart to watch yeah. it. I agree. What do you think about the about the, the newness of, like, Batwoman being in there and Black Lightning being integrated? Like, what do you think about all that? I liked it. I thought it was fun to watch all those other characters interact with each other. And, like, the you know, I did too. two different versions of Superman, or actually three, if you want to count the Clark Kent that we saw on the farm, too. You know, you saw three different Supermen, and yeah. it, was, it was awesome. Yeah, I loved that, too. And I, the idea of Brandon Ralph being in a Superman outfit makes me happy every single time. Yeah. So tell us about your indie film that you got coming out. I'm so excited about this movie. Um, it's really going back to my comedy roots in a huge way. And it is a loosely scripted, rid- ridiculously funny. And when I mean like I use the word ridiculous on purpose, like it's a ridiculous premise about two idiots who decide that they're going to get rich quick by scamming a church out of money and making a faith-based movie. <laughs> and yeah, it's full of, it's, it's as hilarious and offensive as you can possibly imagine. And yet it's also really heartwarming and, and it's, it's really sweet spirited. Um, and it's full of incredible comedy heavy hitters like David Kochner, who like I've only seen Anchorman 17,000 times. So it was really exciting <laughs> for me. Um, Mar- like Margaret Cho, Jason Alexander. It's got Lance Reddick being funny, which as in Lance Reddick, as in yes, as in The Wire and um, John Wick and, uh, you know, fringe and incredible intensity. All I can tell you is you're going to see me and Lance Reddick in a head to toe green screen outfit carrying balloons it's like just dumb in every way and it was written by two of the sort of um original funnier die writers and stars by the name of tanner thomason and luke barnett and these guys are just so talented and so funny and they they worked their butt off to make this movie happen and it's possibly the funniest thing I've ever been in. And I've been in a lot of funny stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's it's starting the festival circuit pretty soon and it's gonna come out in the spring and I'm just really thrilled for everyone to see it. And it was an absolute blast for me. I love being on the flash. It was really nice to spend my hiatus going back to being funny for a month or so. So uh you said it's gonna come out in the spring like uh nationwide of theaters <laughs> or is it going to like a streaming service? Yes. No, we're anticipating nationwide in the theaters and oh. it's a little early yet. They haven't named an exact date of when it's coming out, but we do know it's coming in the spring. Yeah. So after that, what's next for you uh, for 2020? 2020 is back at it for the flash. Yeah. And um, right now I'm trying to figure out what hiatus is going to look like. I try very hard. Um, you know, the show shoots many months for the year which is unlike most shows most shows are kind of done in seven months and we shoot nine and a half so you only have so much time to get a little vacation in and see your family and then you know if you're lucky try and do a film or another project so i'm taking meetings right now trying to line up what the project for hiatus is going to be and um also it's going to be doing a lot of promoting faith-based and then before we know it i'm going to be back here Time flies. Two, those two and a half months go by quick. Yeah. So how do you get the? How do you have all this time? To, I, I read online that you enjoy cooking. How, how, where do you find the time to cook when you're working so much? 
well, I have a million food allergies, so I had to like learn how to cook. Yeah. And which I never knew growing up. My mother was extremely rebellious against her own Italian food pushing mom. So my mom was like refusing to cook. So yeah, these last many years, I've realized I kind of love it. And it's just sort of another avenue of creativity. And I have a gluten allergy. So there's lots of stuff I can't eat. And sometimes there's things that I want and nobody can make them but me. So the next thing I know, I kind of found myself like I should go on MasterChef if they had a MasterChef gluten-free. My son is like my son home had chef glu- that can't use meat. Yeah, my son had gluten allergies, <laughs> so I know all about it. Yeah, it's it's hard because yeah. you want to eat like everybody else, but you're limited. So um, it turned out to be I found out many years ago, and so that's when I started learning how to cook. And I found out that it's really fun for me to figure out how to make everything in a way that I can eat it. What else do you enjoy doing when when you're not working? Uh, yoga. Um, I'm a bit of an exercise hound. Like I really like being outside with so yoga, hiking, and, um, anybody who follows my Instagram knows that I'm currently obsessed with my puppy, which if you heard any weird noises in the background, that was Biggie being obnoxious, um, and not understanding that I'm on phone. And, um, yeah. And then I, I really enjoy traveling. Like I try to get as many places as I can, as often as I can. I always feel like I'm late. And that I haven't seen enough of the world, hmm. so it, I think it's I think it's a side effect of growing up in a small town. Yeah. So, what's the next place you want to visit that you know? Okay, I'm gonna have say you have a month off. What's the next place you want to hit? Oh, tough call. I was just having this conversation with my husband, and so right now the toss up is between South America. He, I really want to go to Argentina, but I don't know that it's necessarily the best time to do it right now. Yeah. And he really wants to do like Chile, like Patagonia. Um, and then the other option is going Eastern Mexico and like seeing Mayan ruins. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Or possibly Peru. Same, same answer. Going to see ruins. Hmm. Is your husband like a history buff? Does it like the history and stuff like that? Yeah, but mostly he just cons me because he's a surfer, and so he uh, just tries to talk me into going places where so he, he can, can go surf, surfing. So he can say uh, he surfs. Yeah. yeah. So, Danielle, lastly, how can the listeners find you on social media? All my social media is the same. It's Danny Nicolet, D-A-N-I-N-I-C-O-L-E-T. Um, Instagram's kind of my main my main drag. I don't really Twitter too much, but. Um, I try, I try when yeah. I can occasionally remember, yeah. but, um, I try to read, like, I try to answer comments. I try to respond to people as much as they can, as long as they're nice. And, um, yeah. And I, I try to tell everyone, I apologize in advance for pictures of my puppy. One day he won't be a cute puppy anymore and you'll get less of them. <laughs> Danielle, <laughs> thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on. This was fun. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me anytime. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.